Folks, God has an identity for you. And it is an identity that offers a very real power, a a very real sense of confidence, a very real sense of direction. It will set your life on a course for eternal significance. And the amazing thing is, at least if you go by statistics, most of us, not a lot of us, most of us will never pick up that identity. And we will run around and we will look for worth and value in anything and everything and we will be left empty by all of it. Every bit of it. Can you imagine that God offers us something so powerful and we say, "Mm, nah. Now there's got to be a couple of you out there right now thinking, no, no, wait a minute, time out. I, I don't remember telling God that. I don't remember God offering me this identity that would that would produce all this. And I and I told him, no. Well, I guess the question would be, do you do you know what your identity is? Are you living in light of that identity? Because if you're not sure what it is or you're not living in light of it, well, that that ends up a lot like looking like rejecting it. What is our identity? Let's find out today. And before we even find out our identity, can we just agree right now we're going to live in it? Amen. Amen. Okay, there's three of us that are super. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You can look in your own Bible or grab one of ours there in the chairs around you. It's one short verse. I've also got it on the screen right here. And in this passage, in this verse, is your identity. Look at what it says here. It says, but you will receive power... That's what we just talked about, right? A sense of power, a sense of purpose. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, when is the Holy Spirit going to come upon me? Well, folks, the moment you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, that's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's, it's not at a later date. It's not when you grow, when you mature. It's not when you make some kind of dedication in your life. That second that you place your faith and trust In Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit indwells you. He takes up residence in your life. So that has happened for you as a believer. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now you notice the word will. That's a future thing, right? As Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's saying this is what is going to happen and you will in the future be my witnesses. Now, it's the future for them, but it's not the future for us, is it? You, you see, the Holy Spirit had not yet come. Throughout the Gospels, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit comes after Jesus ascends, especially in, in John. Several times, Jesus says, you know, until I return to my Father, I, I won't send the Comforter, I won't send the Counselor, I won't, the Teacher, the Holy Spirit. But when I ascend, I will send Him. Well, this passage right here, this is after the resurrection. Jesus has has been crucified on the cross. He's been resurrected. and, And actually, it's literally, it's seconds before he is about to ascend into heaven. So as he's talking to his disciples, he is going to say, you will be my witnesses. But if Jesus were here today, and he is, right? Amen. Okay. Now we're up to like eight or nine of us. Okay. He is with us. If Jesus was speaking this passage to us to say... Today, he would say, as the Holy Spirit has come upon you, past tense, 
Not, not will, but has come upon you. You, present tense, you are my witnesses. So see, we've got to change the verb there. To the disciples then, he would say, you will be. To you and me today, he would say, you are my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. If he, if he was saying that passage to us today, he'd say, you are my witnesses in Colonial Heights, in Chesterfield, and in Virginia, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we've looked at this passage a number of times over the years and in different contexts, but today my focus is really pretty narrow. It's not on the, the whole passage. It's on that, that singular phrase, you are my witnesses. Folks, that's your identity. That's who you are in the person of Jesus Christ. You are his witness. You are not male or female. You are not young or old. You're not an electrician or a, a plumber or an accountant. You're not healthy or unhealthy. You're not black or white or Chinese. You're not any of those things. You are a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you might be a witness as a plumber. You might be a, a witness as a young person or an old person, as a healthy person or an unhealthy. You might have, we might have all these different roles and titles and backgrounds, but in all of those things, that's just where we're going to be his witness. That's our identity. Now that word witness, that, the, the Greek word for witness right there is martyros. Martyros, what's that sound like? Martyr, yeah, we get our English word martyr from the Greek word witness or martyros. Now think about that. A martyr, that's somebody that they get knocked off, don't they? they? They die for something. You know, is that what we're signing up for today? Wait a minute. Now, you know, the funny thing is, you know, we're probably not going to have to die for being a witness. But, but doesn't that word say something about the kind of resolve the kind of commitment we would have. I mean, we are witnesses who will stake our lives on this. Probably not going to have to die. But doesn't that say something? I mean, think about it this way. Can you kind of be a witness? And that be something that you would stake your life on? Can you, can you be a witness once, twice, I don't, four or five times in your lifetime and that be described as something that you would stake your life on you see folks i i think jesus uses jesus chooses this word to say this identity that i'm bringing to you this identity i'm giving you it's to be all consuming isn't it it is to consume who and what we are this word in the, in the Greek language has a second kind of a meaning, a second kind of part to it. And it means a witness is somebody who carefully deliberates. Well, I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you're going to give your life for something, you might ought to think about it. You know, run it around the barn once or twice. You know, kind of pass that through. Yeah. See, a witness is somebody, they have an experience. They, they see something, they, they hear something, they become a part of something, they, they learn something, and then they, they really think about it. This is not an emotional response, this is not a quick jump response. They really kind of, okay, now what does this mean? What does this mean to me? What, are, what is the truth here? And they've really thought that over, and once they have carefully deliberated, now they're ready to stand as this witness. They're ready to stand as somebody who would stake their lives on this. Folks, this is, this is who we are. This is our identity. 
We are witnesses. And it's much more than an activity. It is an activity. You know, when we think about witnessing, at least, at least here in our church, we might think about going out on Saturday morning and we're going to do that go fish event where we knock on doors. Or maybe we think about Wednesday night and we, you know, we go out witnessing, we go out visiting. Yes, witnessing is an activity, but it's a lot more than that. What, what Jesus is referring to here is a lot more than an activity. It is who we are. It's our identity. And, and this is not just a, a singular passage. This is not just a, a thought that, that God spoke one time. And by the way, if God spoke at one time, that'd be enough, wouldn't it? But it's not just a one-time thing that we find. It is a theme that runs throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, let me read a passage to you from Isaiah 43. Now, Jesus just spoke those words to the disciples right before he was about to ascend. It's probably A.D. 33, 34. The, the words I'm about to read to you were spoken by Isaiah to the Jewish people, uh, and they're 740 B.C. So, so these words are 800 years apart. This covers a, a big chunk of Bible time. And yet, listen to these words, Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my... Guess what it says? Witnesses. Gosh, that's the exact same thing, isn't it? Exact same sentence. You are my witnesses. And then there is, and, and you, you see this a little bit better in the Hebrew language. In your passage right now, it might just say declares the Lord. But the way it was written, it was, you are my witnesses. And then it's almost like out to the side. The Lord's declaration. Now, folks, every one of these words is written by God. Every one of these words is his declaration. But it's like he comes along, he makes his statement, you are my witnesses, and then he declares it. He, he, he puts a stamp on it, says this, the Lord is on that statement. You are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I'm he. Did you hear that? So that you might know, so that you might believe, so that you might understand Gosh, this sounds a lot like that word Jesus used 800 years later in Acts 1.8. That word that has the idea about carefully deliberating, really thinking and understanding. Same idea right here. Listen to this. No God was formed before me, and there will be none after me. I, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior but me. Man, bless the Lord's heart. He's just not very politically correct, is he? I mean, clearly he just doesn't realize. You, you can't say that today. We've got we to gotta respect everybody's thoughts of God and, and what they perceive God to be and, and how they perceive to get to God. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the Lord wants to come clean this up and edit it a little bit. The only problem would be he'd, he'd be editing the truth, wouldn't he? See, it's just the truth. That's just all there is to it. Whether it's correct politically or not, it is the truth. And you know, at the end of the day... As a matter of fact, let's say it even better. At the end of life, I don't need correctness. I need truth. I need the absolute truth. And God's telling me right here, you need a Savior and there is one. One Savior. Okay? Verse 12, I alone declared, I alone saved and proclaimed and not some foreign God among you. Now that's the truth. Now listen to this. So you are my witnesses. Twice. And guess what? Whoops, knocked my glasses off. <laughs> Same declaration. He again says, so you are my witnesses. Pause. The Lord's declaration. 
This is God's declaration on your life. It's who you are. Now, folks, Jesus, again, he was saying this to the disciples and the disciples are about to become the church. That's you and me. Isaiah is speaking this to the Jewish people. And you know what's interesting? When you go back through the Old Testament, the Jews never picked this up. They never really picked up this identity that they were to be a blessing to the world. They thought that they were just there to receive God's blessing. As a matter of fact, they said, tell you what, God, let's huddle up. Big family hug, all right? Let's get in a big circle and, and we're going to become a container. And let's just let God's blessings and let, let's let God's revelation just pour in and, and we'll just fill up our container and we'll just kind of hold it all in here together and we'll love each other and we'll take care of each other and we'll just... Just be warm all over with all of God's goodness. Now, let, let's just keep it here because the world out there, they, they're mean and they don't act right. Some of them are very ungodly and, and that's not good. And so let's just kind of keep this in here and, and we're going to hold all of God's good stuff in here as a container. The only problem is, folks, God actually cares about all those folks out there. He knows they act bad. And he wants to bless them. And he doesn't want us to be a container. He wants us to be a conduit. He wants to pour out all of his blessings and all of his revelation, not to be contained in here, but to flow through us to the world. The Jews never got that. And God moved on. You see, if we clog the flow... If we think that we're going to hold all this good stuff in here, just our church, just, just us good people, God's going to move on. Because there is a world out there dying and separated from Him, and that will result in them being eternally separated in hell. And that actually grieves Him. Do you realize God gets zero joy out of a single person going to hell? That makes Him different than us, doesn't it? Because we got some people, we think, man, that I hope when God throws them down, hard. <laughs> you know, folks, we laugh because it's true. Did you know it's never true of God? Think of the most wicked, horrible person you know. God will take no joy in seeing that person go to hell. And so he was blessing and he is revealing through us. And if we clog the flow, he'll move on. And folks, that's a bigger deal than just, well, I guess somebody else will do it. He moved on. No, when he moves on, there goes your opportunity at having eternal significance. There goes your opportunity at making a real and lasting difference in this world and in the next. There goes your identity. Folks, nobody lives well. Nobody lives effectively when they're not living in light of who they are. When they're rejecting that, when they're rebelling against that, when they're living in ignorance of that. You can't live well when you're not living who you are. Your identity is as a believer and a follower and a witness for Jesus Christ. So you're saying, okay, okay, I'm a witness. I'm ready to be a witness. What do I do now? Well, you know what? There's another clue. There's a clue to what we do in the meaning of that word witness. That word witness has the idea of conveying, of communicating objective truth. Objective truth. Now, that's important. There's kind of two parts or maybe two ways of being a witness. One is sharing your testimony. 
Yeah, we see that in the Bible. Matter of fact, the book of Acts, which we're reading from right now, we see a couple of times Paul share his testimony. When you share your testimony, you're, you're sharing with somebody what Jesus means to you. You're sharing with somebody your personal experience, your personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, you may, you may have an opportunity to sit down over a nice cup of coffee and, and share that story for 20, 30 minutes or more. But I tell you what you should be prepared to do. I tell you what every believer should be prepared to do. You should be prepared to share your testimony in three or four minutes. Because you don't know when God's going to give you an opportunity. You don't want, don't want what the context or the setting is going to be. And you ought to be ready. If given the opportunity in three or four minutes, you could share your story with Jesus. That story is just simply made up of talking about, man, here's what, here's what my life was like before Christ here, here was the, the events, the circumstances in which I came to Christ. And, and man, here's the difference Christ has made in my life. Inside my life. That's your testimony. Three or four minutes, you should be able to share that. Now, having said all that, that's not what this word right here is talking about. The, the witness right here that Jesus is talking about is where you're communicating objective truth. Not, not your experience or somebody else's experience. You're sharing actual, historically grounded facts. In this case, our witness, we're sharing the historical facts of Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection. And what God is doing with that life, death, and resurrection. What that can mean to our lives. We're, we're sharing objective truth. Now, this is where a lot of us start to exit the bus, isn't it? I mean, really, in all honesty, th this is where we say, you know, I, I'm not real comfortable doing that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not real good with Scripture and... And, uh, I, you know, I'm always concerned, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a bad witness. So, so what if I try to do that and, and they start asking questions I can't answer? And, and you know, then I'm going to look stupid. Maybe I make God look stupid. I don't know. I, I'm just not real good at that. You know, I understand that. I mean, you know, do you think about it? None of us are actually born good at this. I mean, I mean you don't, you're not born that way. And I don't think you just wake up one day and boom, there's all the knowledge and, and scriptures and the objective truth to pass on. No, it's not maybe natural, it's not maybe comfortable, but gosh, could I ask you a hard question? What have you done to change that condition? What have you done to try to learn? Hey, how do I put a testimony together? How do I take these, these pieces of my life and put that in a story that I could share with somebody? What have you done to learn these objective truths, to learn the scriptures that go with them so that you could communicate that life-saving knowledge, that life-saving relationship with Jesus with another? What have you done? Folks, could I, could I quite possibly suggest that if your answer is nothing, there's a problem. This past Friday night, I, uh, we, we were, we were kind of bored and, and sitting around, and, and so we decided to to go to Sweet Frogs. Have y'all heard of that? A couple of you? Yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a yogurt place at Hull Street in Winter Park. And I always think it's funny to name your restaurant after something like a frog, you know. Or my, the word, my favorite one is the pizza place, you know, Chuck E. Cheese. Let's put a rat right out on the front of the sign. I mean, generally speaking, you don't want rats and food associated together. But it has nothing to do with this morning, so let's get back on topic. So, so we go out to Sweet Frogs, and uh, we... we you know, eat our yogurt, mm, that was good. And, and so then we get back in the car to, to go home. And, and it's, I mean, it's way out there. So it's, I mean, it's like a 20, 25 minute drive home. And, and so my, my kids are in the back. They all got iPods in. I know y'all's kids don't do that. And uh, so they're listening to their iPods. And so Karen and I are, are kind of, you know, fumbling around on the radio. And we, we come across Adrian Rogers. 
a message of his. He's, he's preaching on, on whatever channel it was. And uh, uh, Adrian Rogers, great, great pastor, great Southern Baptist pastor and preacher for, for many decades, died not too long ago. And, uh, but he was preaching. And man, funny enough, he's, he's preaching on witnessing. I thought, hey, man, this is what I'm going to be talking about Sunday. And he's talking about this. And he makes one of the hardest... Let me, let me change that. One of the harshest statements I think I've ever heard in the pulpit. He said, if you are not living as a witness for Christ on a regular basis, if you are not regularly witnessing the gospel and bringing people to Christ, you are living in high treason. Now, you know, you'd think, man, I'm, I'm studying on witnessing. I'm going to be preaching on that. You, you'd think I'd be going, man, go get him, Adrian! Yo, Adrian! Another movie. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, I'm confusing the situation now. But think of, I, I'm sitting here thinking, I ought to be excited. I'm thinking, man, is that true? If you're not living as a witness, are you going to stand before God in high treason? That's one of the highest crimes in the United States. High treason. Because you're rebelling, you're rejecting, you are betraying your call and identity. What have you done to pick up that identity that Jesus, your Savior, gave you? Folks, here at Colonial Heights Baptist, it is, it is one of our, our express purposes, one of our high purposes to enable, to train every believer to be able to share their testimony. To, to train every believer to be able to, to share the gospel. To be able, in, in a moment's notice, whatever the situation, whatever the person, to be able to communicate that life-saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and we have a class here that we use, we call, it's called faith. Now, faith's a pretty common word around church, isn't it? Faith, in this case, is not actually a word, it's an acronym. F-A-I-T-H, each one of those letters stands for a, a word that's going to be an element of presenting the gospel. And this class is made up, it's got a couple of weeks of class instruction where you, you learn that truth, you learn the scriptures that go with it. You got a couple of weeks where you go out into a live witnessing situation to watch somebody. You don't have to do anything. Just, just watch them engage in that conversation and take the opportunity to witness. And then you've got a couple of weeks where, yeah, you would go out and the opportunity would be for you to be able to share the gospel. Boy, you just say that and it just kind of makes your stomach just nod up, doesn't it? Just, ooh, gosh, mm, not, not sure I, I want to do something like that. That's kind of nerve-wracking. Oh, folks, let me tell you something. It is! It's incredibly nerve-wracking. I, I say sometimes it's downright scary. I mean, a lot of times I, I'm approaching a door or I'm in a conversation and I see it's going that way. Man, the butterflies begin to fly in motion. I mean, yeah, it can be. But you know what, folks? What do you, how long is fear going to be the God of your life? How long is fear going to control you? How long is fear going to keep you from seizing what God has for you? Because God's identity for you is not one of fear. It's one of power. Is that what the verse said? Power. For what? To be my witness. Folks, I don't think there's anything greater than to be able to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to be the witness you've called me to be. 
And folks, you never know what God is going to do, how God's going to use you, who you might end up witnessing with. I got a great story. In, in 1985, I was in uh, Georgia, not, not the state of, in the United States, but the nation of Georgia. It's a, it was at that time a Soviet bloc country. And I, I was in the city of Tbilisi, it's the capital of Georgia, and it was a July evening and uh, walking down the street with a, a couple of friends and a guy comes up behind us and he's clearly been drinking and uh, most of his English seems to be centered around cuss words. And so, you know, it's kind of an interesting interaction as he walks up to us and we know why he's coming up to us. We'd, we'd been in the Soviet Union several weeks by that time and usually we stood out as Americans and, and they wanted anything we'd give them because they'd turn around and sell it on the black market. And, and so he comes up and engages us in conversation. Well, make a long story short, two of us, myself and, and one other, we, we end up in his apartment and uh, we share the gospel with him and he prays to receive Christ. And we give him some, we had, had with us, we had a backpack and, and we give him some information that's going to help him grow and, and kind of begin this new relationship with Jesus. And so we, we pray with them and, and we leave. As a matter of fact, the next morning we're, we're flying to another country, Armenia, uh, going to be leaving there. So, I mean, as we leave his apartment that night, I mean, obviously I'm anticipating I'm, I'm never going to hear or see of this guy again forever, the rest of my life. We're, we'll, I'll see you in heaven. And uh, so we walk out. We go on the rest of the summer. Well, when we return home, uh, I, I was there with, a, with an agency. And uh, when we return home, there are people that, uh, that go in and that at that time were going in and out of the Soviet Union. They couldn't live there uh, as missionaries or anything at that time, but they would go in and out of the country. And so they would collect our contacts, the, the people we had met had contacts like we had with this guy, and they would go back in. And during the course of the year, they would follow up with them and try to disciple them and, and kind of help them begin growing in this relationship with the Lord. And so we, we give them his name and, and uh, they go in and, and follow him up. Well, a couple years later, uh, one of the, the missionaries with this agency, uh, we, we are at an event together and he, he recognized me and walked up to me and said, you, you gave me the name of that guy in Tbilisi, Georgia, didn't you? And I said, yeah. And uh, he said, man, you're not going to believe this. We went back in, we followed up with that guy, had an opportunity over, over a year's time to disciple him, and this guy just took off in the Lord. I mean, he became incredibly strong, and, and uh, the more we trained him, the more we could release him, and we got to where we really, we didn't have to do anything in Georgia, but keep in touch with him. Any contacts we had, any believers we met, we just funneled it all to him. And he would do the discipleship, he'd do the mentoring, he'd get them in underground churches. He worked all over the country for the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You know, I take one evening... One night, you know, chance meeting, and, and, I, and I share the gospel with this guy. And he ends up for years to come sharing the gospel with the nation. And I'll tell you something, folks. I'm just like a lot of you. I do a lot of stuff that counts for nothing. I do a lot of stuff that by the end of the day, by the time I fall asleep, that event, that stuff, it's gone, it's worthless. That counts forever. That counts forever and ever. One, one more quick story. I, I uh, had another person again uh, a while back. It was, it was 1982 and it was around Christmas time. And it wasn't, wasn't just a person. It was a little, little girl I had an eye on. She was a little cutie. And uh, felt that it'd be a positive thing to get to know her and, you know, you know pray with her and stuff. 
And so we, we kind of were getting to know each other, and uh, I, I went by, it was December 27th. You can always remember things around Christmas, can't you? And it was two days after Christmas. So I went by one morning to, to pick her up in my metallic gold Berlinetta Camaro, 1980. Uh, and as I went by to pick her up, and, um, and it was mid-morning, I think we were going to go to the mall. And, and she came out, and I hadn't known her that long, a couple of months, and uh, she was very visibly upset. And, and so we got, we got in the car and, and started to drive, and, and uh, she just kind of, you know, it just kind of started coming out, it, it hurt and, and pain and, and just some things going on in her life and in her family. And I mean, I'm, I'm 17 years old. I mean, it's not, I said, well, let me, let me pull over and counsel you. Uh, and, you know, so I'm hearing all this. I, honestly, I don't have a clue what to say. I don't have, really have a clue of what's happening in this moment. And uh, I just felt like, man, the only thing I know to do, and, and I reached into my glove box and I had a, a, a gospel tract there, and I just read it to her. I, I didn't say anything from memory. I, I just read it to her. Here, try this. And I just started reading it to her, and, uh, and she prayed with me. We had pulled over. I mean, we weren't probably four blocks from her house, and, and she prayed to receive Christ that morning and went on to college and uh, got involved in, uh, in Campus Crusade, uh, which actually was the agency I was in the Soviet Union with. She got involved in Campus Crusade, and, and, uh, which also has a very express purpose of, of, of encouraging and challenging believers to be a witness. And, and as she picked up that identity of, of being a witness for Christ, she would tell you, you know, that, that really transformed my life. I mean, obviously, it changes your life when you come to Christ. But when she picked up that identity of being a witness, she found, she found healing and she found a sense of worth and a, and a sense of confidence that, that life and, and family had not provided for her prior to that. And, and she would say, yeah, coming to Christ changes your life. But boy, I'll tell you right there next to it is picking up that identity of being a witness for Jesus. And she became a great witness for him. Now, I want to tell you something. She was quite a cutie as an unbeliever, but as a witnessing believer, she's just plain hot. So I kept my eye on her. I went ahead and married her a couple years later after that. Um, folks, you are a witness. Not, not when you take a class, not, not when you grow, not when you become something, not after a certain amount of time. If you're a genuine, real follower of Christ, you are a witness. Have you picked up that identity? Are you living it? You know, I know when you're sitting where you are, it's very easy, because I've done it in my life, it's very easy to, to look at the guy up front and say, well, yeah, I know, but you know, that's, that's what you're trained to do, and, and, that, and, and it's different for me, and and, and I think, don't you have like some kind of special calling for that? And, you know, maybe you even look to the person next to you and say, isn't that what we pay him for? You know, folks, I, I, don't, I don't know about training or, or being paid or special calling. I, I know this. Jesus said, you are my witness. And it's no different for me to pick up that identity than it is for you. I absolutely still get nervous doing that. Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I can honestly tell you today, to this point in my life, I have probably walked away from witnessing opportunities unfaithful more, than I, more times than I have faithful with that opportunity. And do you know why I walked away? For all the same reasons you do.
You say, well, wait a minute. I, I, I didn't, when are you saying I walked away? If you're a real follower of Christ, you haven't lived a week of your life where God hasn't brought somebody to you. You've not lived a single week of your life where the truth of the gospel could not have poured through your life to somebody else. You've walked away. And so have I. When do we stop? When do we say there's something greater, there's something more important, there's something bigger than fear and all the busyness going on around me and all my justifications for why I'm not going to bring this up? When are we going to pick up our identity in Christ? Folks, what I, t- what I had to do, I had to put myself in a place where I'd be held accountable. I had to put myself in a place where I would learn this is no different for you. That's why we have a faith class. That's why we have a place where you can learn, where you can be held accountable, where you can be helped. That class is starting in just a couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, we begin sign up for it today. And when, folks, when church is over, you need to go out here to this end of the concourse, down here by the adult, the adult wing. You need to go to that desk down there. And you need to say, I need to sign up. I need to get in this. Or, or maybe you need to say, at least very minimum, go out there and say, man, what, tell me about this. When, when is it? What do I need to do? What, where do I need to be? At least find out the information. You know, to not even go out there and find out, there's not a single person in this room who has a reason to not go out there and at least find out what it's about. When I say not a reason, I mean, you may have a reason, but not one you can stand before God and give. You are a witness. My name is Randy Hahn. I'm a child of God and a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the living Son of God. I'm a witness to the gospel of Jesus that saves people from sin and death and hell. I am a witness to His truth and His truth alone. And in that, I touch eternity. Let's pray. Father, we're sorry that we have uh, we've not all picked up our identity. And some of us have picked it up, but, but we don't always live in it very faithfully or effectively. God, you, you brought people into our lives this week that if we'd have been sensitive to the Holy Spirit, if we'd have been looking towards you, We'd have seen what you see. And we would have communicated your good news. But we didn't. We were too busy. We were too scared. Didn't see it. Didn't care. Didn't want them to think we were crazy. We're sorry. Would you forgive us of that sin? God, as we leave here today, may our prayer be to to give us the faith, to give us the courage to pick up our identity and to live it. 
to enjoy the power and the confidence, the, the purpose of life that it brings. God, may we go out into our community and our world and may we see what you see in each person. God, may we be available for the news you want to communicate in their lives. God, I pray you'd move in people in this room right now and tell them you need to go out there. You need to sign up. You need to do this. God, I pray we just get tired of being ashamed. Tired of being quiet. Tired of fear. We'd want to stake our lives on something great. God, we don't know anybody greater than you. So let it be you. God, may this church as a whole and individually, may we never clog the flow. But may we be a conduit for what you want to do in our community and in our world. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray this. Amen.